everybody. Welcome back to the Ramble Room. This is Tom Kelly. I'm here with Ken. I'm here with Diane. And we've got a special guest tonight. We'll bring her up later. But first, coming up on January 21st, a Friday evening, January 21st, we have the Wyoming GOP Central Committee Dinner hosted by the Republican parties of Converse and Platte Counties. And we have some well-known keynote speakers are going to be there. We're going to have David Iverson of Cowboy State Politics. We're going to have my buddy Ken Pendergraft here of the Ramble Room. It's going to be at the Douglas Inn and Conference Center in Douglas. And it'll begin with a meet and greet at 5 p.m. and a dinner at 6 p.m. And then the meeting's the following day on Saturday. So for more information, you should probably RSVP to call 307-351-3023 and find out. Uh, I think it'll be a great time. You should be there. Ken, what else should we know about this? You have to show up to find out. And just so everybody knows, I was not invited. You people. You are cruel. Oh, this libertarian, long-haired, you you can't have me there. We will be delighted to have you there on another event. I might show up anyway, and I might step up the microphone and just... After you show up, they'll never ask me again. (laughs) Good thing it's not live radio, because I I had nothing. had absolutely nothing. (laughs) You You heard it here, folks. You heard it here first, folks. The first time Tom Kelly's been speechless. And how long, Lil? You can speak. <laughs> Go ahead. That's definitely my daughter. She says nothing. Uh, you can lean right up about an inch away from that microphone and speak into it. This is my uh, daughter, Lillian. She is a uh, student at Sheridan County High School. Say hello, Lillian. Hello. You're supposed to say hello, Lillian. Yes. Okay, never mind. Bad, <laughs> Dad humor. Sorry about that. Okay, so why is my kid here today? Well, my kids like to come to this type of stuff. We've had my son here before. Um, One of the things that's happening right now in Wyoming, and the whole world for that matter, is the Omicron variant. Don't you have like some dastardly, yes, scary music to play there? Yeah, good enough, right. Um, Now, we're not going to downplay the fact that we've got a real pandemic, and there have been real deaths, and there are people actually in the hospital. But what's special about the Omicron variant is it spreads like bad information. It is just everywhere very quickly, and it's here in Wyoming. And I know that if you go to the Wyoming website, it'll tell you, oh, there are like 15 or 16 confirmed cases in the state. No way. Wyoming in the last three to four days went from like 100 cases a day to 1,000 cases a day. We know exactly what that is. So it has it, it's starting to hit Sheridan County. I think we had something like 20-something active cases just like a week ago, and now we have 60-something active. And we're probably going to have hundreds within a couple weeks or so. So what's going to happen at that point? Here come the school mask mandates. And, boom, 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 <laughs> and we saw there was a December. The best I can do on short notice. <laughs> there was a December 6th meeting of the school board where they were talking about their rec. They strongly recommended wearing masks, even though even the CDC has finally come on board. They're about two years late. Those of us who said forever that wearing a cloth mask. It's like trying to keep pee out of your swimming pool by wearing a swimsuit. If you breathe air, you breathe viruses when you have a cloth mask on. It's basic science. We've known that for many years. They knew that with the flu. They knew that with all sorts of They used to put it on the label. 
Uh, they still do. Of the N95 masks. I haven't do. seen one for but so long. Then we listen to our board member, Fessler, who's out there, and he's arrogantly telling everybody, well, you know, the hospitals, and we're going to have to airlift people to Seattle, and, you know, we're going to do what we do to keep kids safe. Meanwhile, not a single child has died in the entire world from Omicron. So not only do we have a virus that's not killing children, we have an airborne virus that cloth masks will do nothing. Will that stop the school district from mandating masks again? Now, you have to ask yourself, is this an exercise in safety or an exercise in power? I think we kind of know the answer to that one. Look what I can do. And I wanted to first, Lil, I wanted to get your take as a student during the mask mandate. I'm going to ask you some questions about what was it like for a student during the mask mandate at the high school when the teachers weren't looking? They didn't really wear their masks, even when the teachers were looking, sometimes. Um, Did the teachers wear their masks? Most be of honest. them. Most of them. Okay, most. You don't have to name anyone. We'd be yeah. honest here because this is public policy. You will be affected. Parents will be uh, freaking out about it. Um, I'll have a campaign issue for 2022 this year, but tell exactly what you saw and what people were doing, particularly when the authority wasn't there yelling at people to put their masks on. Um, no one wore them unless they wanted to. And it's still that way because if, if you want to wear it, you're going to wear it. And if you feel like it'll do something, you're going to wear it. But when no one was around, no one who didn't want to wear their mask wore their masks. And no one took like any social distancing precautions. So it really canceled out in the end because especially at lunchtime when you leave for lunch, you're not going to wear your mask, but then you're going to go back around the same people anyway. So. What if you're in band class? I saw, I literally, I saw masks for band class with a big hole cut in it so you could put the mouthpiece in your mouth. Yeah. And nothing on the end of the instrument. Yeah. And they want us to take them seriously? Good Lord. Look, you were saying at lunchtime, so you're telling me you'd have kids sitting in a classroom, uh, they put up those silly plastic dividers as if an airborne virus just would run into one and quit. Uh, there's nowhere to go. I don't know what to do. I see that person over there. I can't get on the other side of this big plastic sheet. And I give. Yeah, and then you guys would walk out to your cars, take off your masks, and sit in a car together, breathing the same air with no masks on, head over to McDonald's, whatever? Yep. So what would you say to the school board, you don't have to talk to them directly, about this idea that they were keeping children safe with a mask mandate that kids were generally just ignoring anyway? Yeah. Basically that. I mean, the masks, cloth masks, like you, like you said, aren't doing anything. And if kids don't want to wear them, they're going to, like, have excuses not to wear them, drink their water, go to the bathroom and just sit there with their mask off. I did that. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Just so you could have a chance to breathe? Yeah. Or, like, have it under their nose or just blatantly not wear it. I'm trying to picture this. They're wearing masks. How many kids are wearing cloth masks and how many are wearing, say, N95s or the surgical masks or... They're all either um, like the cloth masks or like the little ones that they hand out at the office because you don't bring your own. (laughs) Okay, those ones that you get at Walmart and says on the box, warning, these do absolutely nothing for viruses. I mean, it says it right on the box pretty much. And they left the box there too. And if you sit to the side of someone because of the way they don't fit their face, you can look in the side and see their tongue. Yeah. 
That's effective. Well, well I, I guess I, what I understood was that viruses only shoot out directly straight in front of you. And never at mealtime. Right. And not if you're eating or yeah. drinking. Oh, uh, what? Not if you're sitting. We saw that at the restaurants. Oh, right, yes. If you oh, wore a mask to your yeah. table, as soon as you sat down, you were safe. They were like underneath that six-foot barrier of five feet, I guess you'd have to be. So if you crawled on the floor, I guess you wouldn't need a mask. <laughs> that ought to be the requirement. No shirt, no shoes, no ability to crawl, no service. Well, there you go. And, uh, well, uh, if we do have a mask mandate, how many are you and your friends going to wear them again just to go along? Because, um, you know... You recall what happened with your brother last year, correct? Yeah. I mean, he he became like a minor public figure as he was the first kid removed from the high school for refusing to wear a mask. Which you know. okay, I don't remember I, that. So yeah, we don't know. One of you liberate. Oh, okay. E- elaborate. <laughs> elaborate. Oh, there's a Freudian slip. Well, I I've gotten contact. You guys know Shelta. You know she's been leading the free our faces. Yes. Yeah, thank you, she Shelta. Had, she had contacted me about that because she had found out that. Um, it was uh, last year, and they were leaving for spring break, and the principal comes on and says, well, we're going to continue wearing masks to be safe when we come back. And I guess at that point, my son just looked around the room, didn't say anything to anybody, and just quietly took his mask off. And the teacher told him he had to put it back on, and he just said, no. And said, well, you're going to have to go to the principal's office. Okay. Then he went to the principal's office, and the principal said, you have to put a mask on. He said, no, I don't. So well, then you can't be here. He said, okay. And he walked home four miles from the school. 17 years old at that time. And um, he was afraid he was going to get in trouble because, you know, he had gotten kicked out of school. He's generally, generally not a troublemaker like his old man. And um, I had people come up to me and say, like, does your son want to give a speech here? Does he want to help lead a student movement? And I said, no, I'm going to ask him. And he said, oh, Dad, I just want to be left alone. I don't want to wear a mask. I, I don't want to be a public figure. I, I just want to go to school and not have to wear this stupid thing. He wasn't the only one feeling like that. And now we have kids who have been, like, arrested in other counties for daring to show up for their public education without wearing a useless mask. What do you think the teachers are going to do if just, like, half of you just showed up and just, no, we're not going to wear them? Are they going to kick half the students out? What if some of the teachers showed up and said, we're not going to wear them? Um, I think the teachers would be fired because I remember at the beginning of the year, a teacher had been fired because she refused to go back to school wearing a mask. Um, if half of us showed up without him, I'm really not sure, but I think something might happen. They either they'll try to let it go for a while. I'm not really sure. I don't really know. Do you think that there are that many who would do that? Do you think that half of you would refuse to wear one? The people that I know, I don't think so. Because they're really not the speak out type of people. But I think there would be a good amount of people that wouldn't wear them. How many kids do you know literally cut air holes in their masks they were wearing every day? Um, a lot of a lot of kids. L- let's Countless. rephrase that. How many kids that you know did not cut air holes into their masks? Well, yeah, let's put it this way. How many kids wore medical-grade masks correctly all day, every day, like would be required to make any difference whatsoever? Maybe like five kids I'd see in the halls. Did they have any friends? 
<laughs> Just checking. Well, we're going to see if that happens because cases are about to spike in the area. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm not sure what they would do either, but I, I would just tell the school board right now, don't waste your time with it. The, the, the arrogance, the we'll show you, we'll show you what the type of power we have. We don't care what parents have to say. We're going to keep the kids safe. Number one, you're not keeping the kids safe. You heard it right from the horse's mouth here. It was a joke. The kids warm in front of the teachers and took them off. The kids cut air holes in them. The kids wore them incorrectly on purpose. And they wore cloth masks that were so thin you could breathe right through them anyway. So the masks didn't do anything except stoke your egos. Placiate some arrogant... Ooh, I almost said a bad word. Go back and say placate. Placate. You said it with a soft C. That's okay. I'm from the Chicago area. Sometimes I would say one, two, three. I was thinking about the next word. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wait, there's the old, old story, the, the fable, and I know, Lil, that you've heard this, about the emperor that had no clothes. And he goes out and he marches up and down, be, or his new clothes, excuse me. I, I kind of gave the end of the story away. At some point, somebody's got to stand up, like the little kid in the story, and say, this is BS. This is ridiculous. Stop. Enough. And we see this right now. We see the city of New York. We see L.A. They've, they've reinstituted their mask mandates. They've got 10 times as many cases as they've ever had. You've got a virus now that they say is second only to measles. As far as how contagious it is, it is more contagious than smallpox. But they don't talk about the lethality among children in the same breath. Well, I'm just talking about the idea of containing the spread with a mask. You're trying to, like people have said before, you're trying to keep mosquitoes out of your yard with the chain link fence. You don't contain a virus. If, if, If you could, we would not have the cold and flu anymore. They would have solved that years ago and the flu is not even necessarily airborne that's something where somebody actually has to cough on you or sneeze on you where a mask might actually do something but when you have something like the covid virus i mean they already knew like the alpha strain before we got these hyper contagious versions could hang in the air for for six seven hours now i happen to know i'm I'm gonna shift gears just slightly and i happen to know tom that you've been following this for quite a while and when this first started appearing it's my understanding that you were looking at at data sheets or whatever you were looking at, and you were saying, this is really interesting. Oh, okay. Yeah, I know what you mean. Um, yeah, go. Yeah, when, when it first started coming out, I've got no evidence other than the fact that I, I know how to read numbers. And, and the oddest thing I had noticed about COVID from the very beginning was that when I started looking at the demographics of the people who were affected, it was primarily males and primarily adults. And I was just, this is bizarre. I had never heard of a virus that spared women and children. I'm like, and I had said flippantly to my wife back in, in like December of 2019, it's almost like it's a bioweapon just, you know, geared towards men and sparing women and children. It's really bizarre. I didn't even know about the, I didn't even know about the Wuhan virus lab at the time. Yeah. No, none of us did. Why do you suppose we didn't? <laughs> uh, <laughs> because we were funding it, as it turns out. Oh, oh, oh yeah, well, we went there. Okay, 
This may be the last time you ever hear the sound of my voice on any public airways. <laughs> because Why is that? They like to shut people down that question. Oh, we didn't question anything. Just pointing out some stuff I'd said oh, in the yeah. past. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't really a question either, was it? It was an observation. Well, there are plenty of observations that came out of it too, and it was, it's very clear that it obviously came from the wet mark that was across the street. I mean, yeah, the bat. They, yeah. Anyway, so very briefly before we begin the next phase of this conversation. I want to offer my congratulations to my dear friend David Iverson at Cowboy State Politics, who has surpassed 50,000 downloads this week. Yay, David. Yay! Very well done. Well, you need, you, yeah, you need to put, like, we've got the rim shot. I had an like, applause one, but, yeah, exactly. but you that. know what I replaced it with? No. How's this? Well, there we go. That's his theme music, isn't it? That is his theme music, and... Here's to you, Dave. If by chance you live in Wyoming and you haven't tuned in to David Iverson's Cowboy State Politics, you better... And remember, you can meet Mr. Iverson live. Uh, yes, yes, in Douglas, Wyoming, on, on the twenty second. Twenty second. Twenty first is Friday. Twenty first is Friday. That's okay. when the dinner is. Okay, the dinner is Friday night yep. on the twenty first, and the actual meeting is on the twenty second, yes. the following day. Yes, and when you meet him, standing way off in the corner, all dejected, I'll be there as well. Come say hello. And you don't have to know what David looks like either. Just listen to his podcast a few times. He'll open his mouth and talk, and you'll be able to hone in immediately. He's a very distinct voice. Yes, yes, yes. And, so, Tom, you, you can go to the dinner if you want to. In fact, we'd like you to. I wasn't invited. Yes, everyone's invited. You just have to have 60 bucks. <laughs> so... Some of you listening to this might not know that my dear friend Tom Kelly is running for the school board. And we need more of his type in there, people who are able to call a spade a spade and see things for what they are. Don't read into that more than it is. Well, you know, yeah. as far as saying that, too, I've talked to a lot of people about it, and they're like, listen, we need to do this, we need to do that. And um, one thing I've said very emphatically to people is, I'm not, I'm not running for the school board to try to win. And people say, well, why are you running then? I'm running because, one, m- many people have asked me to. And, two, I'm going to run by saying and doing what I think are the right things. Number one, listening to parents about what they would like in the schools and what types of policies they would oh, like. Oh, you'll never win with that platform. Yeah, <laughs> of course, there are times you have to, you have to be um, – a delegate. There are times you have to be a trustee and, and make the decisions for yourself. It's not like parents are going to weigh in on every single budget issue and every single decision. Uh, but when it comes to these major issues like the masks, I, I've been absolutely astounded by the sheer arrogance of the Borg, uh, the way they've shut down meetings, laughably talking about safety. Mm-hmm. Is oh like we're all gonna die of COVID because somebody's in here without a mask on and everybody already knows the mask don't do anything anyway. 
going online, shutting down comments on YouTube, going into making all their big decisions in executive session, whatever that is. Um, I don't know. Are they sworn to like some oath of confidentiality? I mean, do they sign a contract like they can, a disclosure agreement with these executive sessions? Because if they don't, I'll definitely tell the public what's going on, who's saying what in these sessions if I'm on the school board, because there's no reason for secrecy whatsoever. There's no point. It's supposed to be transparent. It's an elected office. Here's, here's a little anecdote, if you will, from just this week. I had the opportunity to go down to the Sheridan County School District number two building, and it was my task to replace a keypad on a door. In order to replace the keypad on that door, I needed what is called a control key. Now, I had attempted last week to go in there, but the school district was all out on leave, and oh, that's okay. Everybody needs a vacation, and it's kind of a good thing to give everybody a vacation at the same time. So I'm not criticizing them for that. It was frustrating for me that I went up there to try to accomplish something, and it couldn't be done because whoever I needed to speak to was not there. So anyway, long story short, I go back up there on Monday. I want to knock this out. It's probably a 15-minute task to change this keypad out if you have the control key. Two and a half hours after I first contacted the person at the reception desk at Sheridan County School District Number 2, after going through at least four people about who has a control key? What is a control key? If we had a control key and we knew what it was, would you be authorized to hold it in your hands for any period of time? After two and a half hours, finally we found the right person. The right person came up there. It took us about 10 minutes to swap out the keypad and we put it back together. This, folks, is a classic example of the bureaucratic nonsense that infiltrates the public school system. Educating children from K through 12 is not brain surgery. Yes, it needs a careful hand, it needs professionals, it needs people who care. It does not lead seven, it does not need seven layers of bureaucracy of be watcher, 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 watchers who don't know what the left hand is doing. It's insane, people. We have to go to Cheyenne, and we have to say we are spending too damn much money on education because we're not spending it on education. We're spending it on layers of bureaucracy. It almost sounds like you're running for office, Ken. House District 29, Sheridan. Uh, yeah, the bureaucracy is something that it's amazing how many people in a school district in any part of the country have huge salaries, great benefits, and never set foot in a classroom, exactly. never speak to a student, never see a student, see, sit in an office all day. Um, the layers of bureaucracy are ridiculous. Yeah. I, I don't understand why you would have to have a school that has a principal and two assistant principals. Um, we we have great teachers. They're highly trained professionals. They're skilled at what they do. They care about what they do. They're passionate about what they do. 
if you have a good teacher that understands kids, as most of our teachers do, they need very little supervision. You put a principal in there, and as Diane pointed out to me earlier as we were talking about this, it might be willing to teach a class on occasion. When's the last time you saw that? Guest teachers. I was just thinking about you know where I work, um, the university I work at, um, and every every place has some form of bureaucracy. You have a large organization. There has to be some organization. Um, I'm the department chair of political science and military studies, two different programs. I'm thinking if I were a all pu- at once. I was thinking if I were a public school system, instead of me running these two programs, there'd be a, a head of political science. There'd be a head of military studies. There'd be an assistant director to political science, an associate director to political science. Then each of those directors would have a secretary and an administrative assistant. And instead of one person running both programs, there'd probably be 12 people. And think of the salaries and the administrative costs and the other expenses incurred in employing all of those people six, health insurance six figure salaries huge amounts of health insurance to have people who sit around and look for the latest shiny object and technology to uh, bring to the school district and that's which, which will never make it to the classroom for one reason well, even if it does it's usually yeah. a disaster and, and then they are already looking for the next one I, I used to be a public school teacher i've seen this I, i've seen how often hey lil you know what you're a student how how often how often now do your teachers teach and don't name anybody versus here's your laptop go to this website and do a bunch of stuff you could have just stayed at home to do i'd say a good amount of them teach but there are some that do just hand us our laptops and expect us to understand and go on without any teaching. Man, I wish this was a video. <laughs> I really do. You can listen to this and you can think, okay, these these people just coerce this kid into saying whatever they wanted. Now, we're not coercing Lil into saying anything. I suspect there's a lot more beneath the surface that she would like to say, but she's not saying, and I respect that. Yeah, yeah, this is audio only. My daughter got a big, sly smile on her face, thought for a second before speaking. Um, But it seems pretty clear to me. The fact that when you guys went online for two months um, in 2020, how much of that stuff you guys were able to just do from home? And I sometimes wonder, why is so much money being spent on this tech? Why do we have so many teachers who just say, here's your laptop, go to this. There are videos on there that will explain it to you. I, I don't under, And as a former public school teacher, you know, all I needed was, depending on where I was, a whiteboard, a chalkboard, and my voice. And we'd be able to talk about stuff. We would actually have a traditional book. It makes sense now to have books on laptops instead of having kids carry around 30 books with them. They can just have everything electronically there. But the whole idea of instruction time, to be open up this computer, go to this website, and do this work. I don't know how many times I've seen that coming back from you guys. And, and that's what I get worried about. These are the shiny objects. We're like, oh, look at this great new computer program. Hey, it started in the 60s with a thing called SRA. You, you remember SRA? <laughs> I loved SRA. <laughs> I did too, because the teacher would finally leave me the hell alone, and I could go sit in there and learn what I wanted to learn. 
But talking about instruction time and what that ought to mean, and then what it is that Lillian is describing or you're helping her describe, is it's more like containment. They're not teaching. They're just holding the kids in their spaces for the proper amount of time so they can, you know, count kids in the seats and make sure they're not on the streets and, and have free babysitting up till they're 18. Well, you know, now you've opened a whole different can of worms right there, but you know she we could even at still, least two. Yeah, we could still do. Uh, you could still have the certain amount of days and the certain amount of hours, and still have people certainly teaching, and you still wouldn't need such a top-heavy and expensive bureaucracy to do it constantly. And you always got like research and marketing. When, when I hear about marketing for public schools, I, my head wants to explode. I mean, it's talk about a captive customer base if anything right because if they're not paying somebody to do marketing people will just stop going to school a lot of it is uh, outreach like look how great we're doing you know look you're you're segueing into exactly where i want to go not only are they just occupying the time and taking them out of the parents hair and holding them in the holding pattern for a particular period of time that's bad enough but if that was all that it did I might be able to tolerate that. But beyond that is the nefarious idea of now we're going to brainwash them into quote-unquote democratic socialism. While we've got your kids captive, we're going to begin to brainwash them with the idea that there is no God. The idea that everything is, morality is relative. Etc. Etc. Well, you know, Lil, you might want to weigh in. You've been at Sheridan High School now. This is your third year, and sometimes, particularly with more conservative voters and parents, there's a concern of teaching secularism, critical race theory, spending too much time on stuff like uh, we need higher taxes and climate change and universal health care. Basically, left-wing politics. How often, since you live with me? Um, a former social studies teacher, a college um, government professor, and somebody who can't keep his mouth shut about politics. So you would be well-versed and well-aware of what left-wing politics are. How often do you think you come across them, and what's it like? And is it, does, is it vary from teacher to teacher? It does vary from teacher to teacher. Um, I don't come across it often, not as often as I did in Colorado. Part it's, of the reason we left Colorado. Yes, all the time. Yes, um, and probably better than Chicago. Oh, they don't teach in Chicago anymore. That's a whole different animal. That, that's, right. It, it, yeah, that, forget but, that. And I want you to go on, Lil, but I'm going to stop for just a second and say just because we're not as bad as they are yet doesn't mean the seeds and the roots aren't deeply planted. I think it depends on the teacher. I haven't had any of the teachers I've heard about that speak about it very openly and very strongly, but um, I have had a couple teachers that do underlie it. I can tell. Well, I'd like to follow up with how often do you run into conservative and right-wing politics from instructors? Also not often, but more likely than not. Usually it shouldn't come up. Um, in my government class, though, my teacher's really good at staying in the middle. Really good. 
So Staying objective. Yes. Actually teaching the material yes. and not giving personal opinions. Today we actually did talk about how communism and socialism has never worked and won't. So uh, the, Now we need the applause button. I was, I was just going to say. And, and, and you're going to tell me when we get out. That teacher is probably going to be out of a job. You no, know, when we days. stop recording, you're going to tell me who this is. I'm going to go hug this teacher. <laughs> I might too. In a non-broke back fashion, of course. There you go again. You're going to have to edit that part out. (laughs) (laughs) I just wanted to see Lil's face. It was worth it. She lives with me. You know how bad I get? (laughs) Uh, Back to the emperor's clothes for just a second. It is very refreshing to sit with people and to be able to discuss things openly and honestly and not be worried about what are people going to think if I say that. And then in the back of my mind is, okay, we're going to broadcast this. <laughs> we're going to put it out there for everybody. And knowing that at least two of us are seeking office. Just, this leads me to an honest question. Does the thought that you, and you earlier said your goal was not to win, and I question that. Does that often occur to you when you speak publicly in other words when you have an opportunity to speak publicly and i know that you do i've heard you do it several times and you have heard me do you often have to reflect think before you speak how is this going to hurt me politically all right let me back up a little bit to when i ran for city council um at first i was pretty bland let's say, constantly worried about I might say something that might somebody might take the wrong way, take and run with, misconstrue, and always very careful about what I said. And it got me nowhere. I really actually didn't start picking up any momentum until I kind of shed that off and just said, what am, what am I doing? I'm not a politician. Why am I trying to make everyone happy? Why am I trying to win? Now, when I say I'm not trying to win, I'm not trying to lose either. Right. I'm just me speaking about what I will, and the greatest thing about doing that is I don't have to sit here and parse my words. I don't have to be care. Oh, should I say that? I, I just let all my ideas hang out. I, I'd say the biggest difference is I don't drop as many f bombs when I'm speaking in public. That's all. <laughs> is you know, Lil knows at home she what I could sound like without a microphone. Um, but I have no fear whatsoever of having an opinion that somebody's going to be like. Uh, it's gotten so bad now in America. If you're a capitalist, you're a white supremacist. So I know I'm going to be called a white supremacist by somebody just by the fact that I, you know I'm not a, a fan of, of neo-Marxism. It, I tend to agree. I've gone through much the same process. Um, I often thought the best way to go is just you know don't say anything, and if you don't say anything, it can't be held against you. That that concept, and there's obviously some merit to that. But I've also found a great deal of merit of just standing up and saying what I think 80% of the people watching are waiting for somebody to say. Right. And I think that's how I got recruited to run for school board is because I had been in some of these meetings and we had talked about stuff and I would just speak off the cuff or people would see what I had to post on Facebook and they're like, we need somebody like this on the school board. Not because I'm some right wing conservative. I'm not. Uh, it depends on the issue. I've been ca- I've been called a left wing liberal. I've been called a bleeding heart liberal. I've been called a Trump tard. I've been called uh, a right wing Nazi because when you have libertarian leanings, it depends on the issue. Generally, it's 
Yeah. Keep the government in its role and let people make their own decisions, which is why I can be called a liberal. People, people from the right will come and say, this is awful. This is immoral. This needs to be banned. And I'm like, it's none of your business. My dad always insisted from the very beginning, the only true liberals are conservatives. Oh, yeah, you can call and, me a classic liberal, but they yeah, just call that a libertarian now. Yeah, um, I happen to agree with that. Well, that's all I got for tonight, Ken. <laughs> I was just looking around the room going, are we done? Because everybody's gone to sleep. Well, Lil, thanks for coming in here with me today, and thanks for giving us a student's perspective on the ridiculousness of a mask mandate at the schools. Absolutely. Here, here. When we first started the Ramble Room, one of the goals was to try to reach, try to encourage people from the age of 16 to 30. I don't remember exactly what parameters we put on. Young people. Yeah. Younger than me. If you go to a political meeting today, almost everybody you see in there is 50 and over. That needs to change. Because we're going to die someday. Sooner than later, I hope. Not that I'm going to jump in front. Geez, you ought to see the look on Tom's face. I'm not going to go jump in front of a train. I'm just saying that probably served my purpose. You're, <laughs> oh. just, you're just going to go into a restaurant without a mask on. <gasps> you know this. You mentioned that, and I'm going to I'm going to be honest with those people out there, including the potential voters. This started two years ago. I have yet to wear a mask. I don't even wash my hands. 